Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. I just want to share something with you today that has been on my heart really for several months now, um, and I'm just really excited about it. I'm fired up. And, uh, but if I haven't met you, I am Heather, as Brian mentioned. We have been married for 17 years. We have two boys. And uh, anytime I get a chance to show a picture of my family, I do. There they are. That's probably our most current uh, family picture we have. Love those boys. And right now, um, I'm actually uh, currently a stay-at-home mom. So I'm not working another job or anything right now. And so a lot of my life looks like probably what you would imagine, a lot of driving around, school drop-offs, school pickup lines, field trips, uh, building solar systems, which I crushed, by the way, Um, fourth grade math, becoming an expert in fourth grade math, (laughs) homework, um, and then a lot of the managing the home. So laundry, making beds, meal prepping, um, just a lot of those things. And, and honestly, probably the thing I do the most is um, put on loads and loads and loads of Pokemon Band-Aids. Uh, the amount of Band-Aids that I put on a day is hilarious. It's just not something I ever dreamed would be the thing I do, but I do. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit of like what my life is like right now. And, um, you know, we live in a world where that kind of stuff isn't really celebrated, you know, like, uh, it's certainly not glamorous <laughs> and, uh, no one is talking about, uh, in the news, what I do day in and day out. You know, it's not in the media. Like it's not a great story. Uh, no one is fascinated with my lifestyle. Um, and that's okay. But what I've witnessed is that what people are fascinated with and what our culture is obsessed with is fame and celebrity, It's just obvious. And I read this quote recently from the Washington Post, and this is what it said. The American fascination with celebrity is strong. And in a world of social media, people don't even have to do anything to be sought after public figures. They can be famous for simply being famous. How true is that? So true. And you know, the world tells us we have to be the one to be successful or to be important. Like you gotta be the one. You gotta be the one who is the best at, you fill in the blank, whatever it is. And I, I just wanted to stop here and say, I have resolved, I don't know when, but at some point I've resolved, like I wanna be my best, not the, the best. Like I'm just not gonna live my life that way. And I can't tell you the amount of peace that has brought to my soul, the amount of settledness and joy that I've had because of that resolve. So I'm gonna be my best, not the best. I'm not gonna worry about that. Um, but, but yeah, people, culture says like, be the one people look to, be the one on a pedestal, be the one who has a lot of influence, be the one with the answers. And we can get so caught up in trying to be it, like whatever it is that we kind of miss like that. That's not what God's calling us to. Like that is not what he has for us. Uh, and really I think what it does, like we, and I say we, cause I do it too. Like we have this tendency to just like elevate gifts that put people in the limelight, 
right? Like our culture does it with professional athletes. I mean, we do it all the time. We elevate that. And what I think it does is it makes it hard for any of us to uh, really figure out what like our unique thing is, right? Because it's like, well, if it's not this that I see, well, then what is it? Like it's so, it blinds us from being able to see that. Um, And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, I feel like I can speak to this um, because I'm married to this handsome young man down here. Uh, And like I said, 17 years, but I've known him for 20. Uh, And so ever since I was 19 years old, I knew I was marrying a pastor. So I knew, uh, you know, like that he would teach God's word and communicate God's word. I knew that he would lead. Um, Even when we were dating, like I knew he wanted to be in ministry and that he wanted to serve the church. And so... um, even though I may not have fully understand what that would have been like, like I didn't really get it fully. I did in part know the part that he would play, right? Like I knew it would be public. I knew that it would involve something like this where he would have to talk to people and platform. I did know that like he was probably gonna talk to anyone who would talk to him. Uh, you know, I knew that there would be like this, I could see the call in his life to lead. Like I could see that he had vision and that he could see, um, like had forward, um, just like sight. He could see things and wanted to move things forward. Um, I could see that he would have influence. There was a lot of those things like that people would look to him to be a trailblazer. And I was 19 and I didn't really know what I wanted to be at 19. I was a kid. It didn't come as easily to me as it did to him. Um, and so I had to do a lot of work over the years to figure out my part, like in God's story. Like, What's his plan for my life? Like, what uniquely has he called me to do? Um, And in the kingdom of God, like, I did know I loved God and I wanted to serve him, and I did know I wanted my life to count. But that's pretty much all I knew at that time. Um, And so I've asked the questions, what is my part? And I think the more important question that I've asked God is, is the part that I play just as important just as significant and just as valued as his. Because I think we gotta, we gotta settle that in our soul. Um, and I believe that he's answered that for me. And maybe you've like felt this way too. Like you felt like you've experienced culture that likes to add a rating system to people. You know, maybe you have felt like categorized or that you've been given a certain place value in society. Or maybe you have even felt the pressure just to be the best or to have the most influence, like whatever your field of expertise is, maybe you feel the pressure to be the best or to have the most influence. Because we know what culture says about it and we've all experienced it, but I just wanna share, here's what God says about it. So we're gonna go to that 1 Corinthians 12 and we're gonna start in verse 14. And it says, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And then let's go to verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you has a part in it. And this is really like one of my favorite definitions of the church. Like, God, obviously he's talking about the church here, not a physical body. And it's church is unity and diversity. I love that. I'm like such a picture of the body of Christ. And and here's the thing with diversity. It does not suggest 
inferiority and it does not suggest superiority. Like everybody's on the same playing field, but everybody's unique and different and plays a different role. And I love it so much. And here's what I, I grew up in church, so I know this verse. And it's not just good theology for our, our brains. It is meant to be lived out. Like God has designed it this way for us to be in relationship with other believers. And as we all do our part, this really beautiful thing happens. And so like my prayer and my hope and my goal today is really for you to see a picture of this playing out in real life. And that's where Acts 9 comes in. Like I read this many, many months ago and it just came alive to me like an episode of a TV show. And it just, so I'm gonna read like a chunk of scriptures, but what I want you to focus on is like how many people are in the story. Okay, so Acts 9 is about how Paul gets started in his ministry, um, how he gets called to his assignment. And uh, so he's the like, the main actor, if you will, okay? He's the star of the show. But what I want you to notice is that every time there's someone else mentioned in the story, okay? So just buckle up, hang on with me. We're gonna get going on this. And just, I'm gonna want you to notice, I underlined all the people that I noticed, okay? So it starts off with Saul. It's saying that Saul was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he was a Jew with a reputation of killing Christians. And he went to these really powerful people and he said, he got permission to round up the Christians and throw them in jail. Men, women, didn't matter. Like he was on a mission. And so we're gonna start in verse three. And it says, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And a voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard a sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. So there's another person. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles as well as to the people of Israel. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him. Instantly, something like scales falls from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying he is indeed the son of God. After a while, some Jews plotted to kill him. So during the night, some of the other believers, so there's more, lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city. Another version says that they held these ropes like that lowered him down. I can like see the movie happening. (laughs) When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he met with the believers and they were afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. So he vouched for him. 
So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, teaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, and they tried to murder him. Then the believers heard about this, and they took him to Caesarea and sent him on his way to Tarsus, his hometown. So Saul is Paul, the one who wrote half of the New Testament, planted a ton of churches. We just read that God chose him for a specific role in the church to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So if there's this Mount Rushmore of Christian people, Paul's on it. Okay, so he obviously is important in this story. But did you catch the other people that were in the story? So I made a slide of the ones that I noticed. So I want you to take a look at the names and like, here's what just struck me. You know, his travel companions, it said like, they didn't see anyone, but they heard this. So this crazy thing happens and they didn't leave him. They stayed with him. They led him into the city. Like they didn't bounce on their friend when something crazy happened. Like that's incredible. You know, you have Ananias who gets asked to do something and I'm pretty sure, I know if it were me, I'd been like, God, I don't think I heard you right. You want me to go see a guy who kills people like me? I'm good. You know, like he, I, this, it just strikes me as so phenomenal that he does it anyway in spite of his fear. And he goes to this man you know, and then you have Barnabas, who is a bridge builder. He vouches for someone. You have this um, believers who, I was saying, it takes a lot of courage to smuggle a human out of a city. Okay, like I'm, I just, again, think of it as a movie. Like I can't imagine what that had, like that took courage, okay, for them to take someone and put him in a basket and send him on his way. And then he gets to another city and they wanna kill him there. And so some more believers protect him, accept him, don't hold his past against him. Like they do all these things and they, I can't stop thinking about like, what if someone had not done their part? Like what would have happened? Saul might've died. His life was on the line and all these people played a role and played a part. And so here's the thing. There's two things on my heart today that I hope more than anything that you get. And the first one is this. The part you play matters. You matter. Your assignment matters. It just does. Each of us has been given something that helps show the world who God is. And when we don't do it, the world misses out. We have an assignment that's significant, even if it's not public. And that doesn't make it better or worse than someone else's or less valuable or less important. And I love this verse in Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance that we should live in them. And I underline that because I'm like, it should be a part of our life. If we live in them, like God prepared something for you in advance for you to live out. I love that so much. It's so great. And so I encourage you to like go on a journey to figure out what that is. Because I think if you want some type of like authority in your life of like when you speak, people listen, that comes in your authenticity. Your authority comes in your authenticity. You be who God has called you to be. And when you do that, it holds weight. Like if I were, I'm just gonna be honest. If I were to sit up here and preach to you about discipline, guess who's not gonna listen? all y'all, okay? Like, that's not like, I got that down. Like, that's something I'm working on. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I'm gonna be me, and then that's what's gonna bring authority, not anything else. And so I uh, encourage you to figure out, like, what is it? Am I called to be a bridge builder? Am I called to be a protector? Am I a loyal friend? Am I someone who leads people out of darkness 
Am I someone who is gifted to celebrate people and encourage people? Am I gifted with like details and finance and paperwork? Like if you are a CPA and do do taxes for other people, God bless you. Thank you that you exist. You know, if you're a school nurse and you wipe snotty noses, thank you, God bless you for what you do. If you work in the marketplace, if you work in corporate America, if you're a teacher, if you're an advocate, I could go on and on. If you raise children, which is a full-time assignment, God bless you. Like there are so many things. It does not really matter to me what your job is. The question I'm asking is, are you being whose God has called you to be in those spaces? You know, why are you there? Are you there out of obedience to God? Are you there out of some kind of agenda to gain something, influence something from it? And a filter that I've had to use over the years is like, I'm not gonna seek fame, I'm gonna seek fulfillment. So if the thing that I'm doing is fulfilling me, that's an indicator to me that I'm not just trying to get something out of it and I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. And, and here's the thing, I, I was careful about like talking about celebrity and fame to where I'm not dogging it um, because I think when I dig, like this is so in my heart that I think the reason why we are drawn to it as a people in general is because at the core of each one of us, we just wanna be seen and valued. Every single one of us, I don't care who you are. That's why we get so excited about people or we, is we, we all want to be seen and valued. So we all want that. Um, and so maybe you feel unseen or you know, disposable, expendable, but I'm here today to tell you that God sees you. God sees you and he has a calling for you that matters. And I, I see you. I see you when you pick up the trash that someone else left behind. I see you when you wipe a tear, when you put on the Band-Aid. Like, I, I see you. Um, and that matters. And I think another, like, question that we can have or that you could hear from the enemy today is like, well, I, my life is, like, too much of a hot mess for God to use me for my purpose. Like, what I did even this weekend. Like, and it's a lie. Yes. It's a lie. Your calling still matters. Your assignment still matters. You know, I even think about like, we serve such a redeeming God, but even in the beginning of the story, who does God choose to give the gospel? A man who was killing Christians. Okay, like if you need another example, like he was doing the very thing that God, like he's totally switched to 180 on him, you know? So There is nothing like God is a God of second and third chances. Like he redeems all things and what he has for you, he wants you to still do. So just give in, (laughs) just give in to him. Uh, And I I did wanna say this, um, this was on my heart this morning. For people who are older than me, uh, so if you're 40 or above, I wanna talk to you for a minute. And I just wanna say this, I feel like, and a message like about your purpose or your calling, there could be a lie from the enemy that tells you right now, like, well, maybe I missed it. Or maybe it's too late for me. Or maybe I'm too far gone from like the thing that God had called me to. And that is also a lie from the enemy. God has a purpose for you and a part for you to play in every season of life, every season. Like mine has changed a lot. Like the one I'm gonna talk to you about today, I didn't have five years ago. So God has a part for you to play in every season. So don't let the enemy hold you back from that just because of whatever age you are, okay? It's not. So that's for you guys. I love you very much. So the first thing is this. 
The part you play matters. And here's the second thing. What I am a part of is bigger than the part that I play. What you are a part of is so much bigger than the part that you play. And it's a really beautiful thing that I think we will not fully understand this side of heaven. I think we won't know all the ways that God has worked things together uh, this side of heaven. And uh, each of us are significant, like I said, but not so much. The reason why he has us work together in that way is so that we don't lose sight of who it's really about. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about every person getting the opportunity to have a relationship with God through what Jesus did. And like people getting to know that, that's what it's about. And so what we're a part of is so much greater than the part that we play. And I think about this, um, we have some signs around here. It says, it's a privilege to be on this team. And it really is a privilege. Your assignment is a privilege. It's a privilege to get to be, to get to be a part of what God is doing in the world what God is trying to accomplish, that we get to like step in to be a part of that. Like it's exciting, it's fun, and it is a privilege. And so, um, practice, and here's, I love this. There is a part of our soul that longs to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And no, I don't have to convince anybody of that. You just have to live long enough to figure it out. Like at some point, there's a part of your soul that longs for that, to be some part of something bigger. And uh, I love to think about the beauty of all of that stuff. My husband is much more like practical. It's probably why a lot of you are here is you like the practical teaching. And so I'm gonna give you a practical teaching for a second. So practically, like what could this look like? You know, I don't think this is the only way that this uh, principle plays out, but I think one way is getting involved in your local church. Like get planted, find a place where you can put down roots, where you can go on a journey to figure out like how God's wired you and how he's gifted you and like uniquely how he's made you to connect in community, where you can serve and be a part of a family. Like all of that is so important. And it doesn't even have to be this church. It has to be just find a church because the Bible says that when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. And I want every single one of us to flourish and to be everything that God has for us. And so... You know, our church, the way that we do that, um, the, like an easy next step for that is growth track, which Brian mentioned, you can do growth track. It's not this week, it starts next week. So you can mark your calendar and whatever service you go to, come to one o'clock growth track and just, it's an easy on-ramp to, we literally have, the first one is called Get Planted and the second one is called Discover Your Design. Those are exactly the things that I'm talking about today is finding out your part and how you can play your part. And um, like I mentioned at the very beginning, this has been a really personal journey for me over the years. Um, there have been times over the last 20 years and probably longer where I have felt unseen or undervalued or underestimated uh, or replaceable, honestly. Um, but I have decided I have decided to believe God that I matter deeply to Him and that my assignment matters deeply. And it doesn't have to look like what Brian does and it doesn't have to look like anyone else for that matter. Like God has something just for me and just for you. And, and I love that I always feel like I hear God say this all the time to me. He's like, you be you with conviction for me. You just be you with conviction for me and then we're good, we'll get there. I don't have to have it all figured out, but you be you and conviction for me. And I felt like for about the last four years, 
God has really been speaking to me about being a spiritual mother to this house. Um, that I'm called to the unique voice that comes with the position that I'm in. Um, and I'm still working out like what that looks like in different seasons. And obviously, you know, we have young kids and so there's a lot that goes into that. And, um, but I do feel like that's the part he's asked me to play right now. And uh, I wanna be honest that that has pressed an insecurity in me um, because mom has not been a easy title for me to put on. Um, it's been very uncomfortable for me. I have felt like at times like that it didn't fit. Um, I have felt like an imposter at times. I've felt like, are you sure? <laughs> no, this doesn't feel right. Um, and it has meant opening up my life in a way that frankly, I would have liked to have kept private. <laughs> you know, it has made it to where um, I have chosen to let people in to see the good, the bad and the ugly. I, it has meant letting people in to watch me fail. It has meant letting people in to watch me flounder and have to ask for help. Uh, to, that's a very vulnerable thing to have to be in that place. Um, it has looked like also at times me owning that maybe I do know what's right and it's okay for me to say it and fight for it. It has meant that. It has meant sometimes telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Um, and all of that has been extremely uncomfortable for me. It sometimes looked like this, which, okay. Uh, like I, it's literally a miracle that's not happening right now, but usually my hand shakes like uncontrollably no matter like what I do. And it drives me bananas. Cause I feel like it's really like distracting. There's no way I could do this every week. I would want to crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> I'm like, no thanks, you, you can just do this. Uh, that's what that works for me. Um, and I really think if we thought about it, like the emotional energy that it takes, the spiritual energy that it takes, the mental energy that it takes to do someone else's assignment, I don't think any of us wanna do that anyway. If we were really honest, we wanna do what God's designed us to do, what he's called us to do individually, because it's, exhausting to do someone else's. It's exhausting to try to be somebody you're not. And so I, I just, I have, I, it's taken a while, but I've decided and I have conviction now from God that I matter, that my assignment matters and that what I'm a part of is so much greater than the part that I play. And I 100% believe with conviction that it's true for you too. Uh, and that's what I want for you. And so I just wanna pray for you. I want us to just close our eyes and we'll bow our heads and just uh, just kind of reflect for a minute. And I just wanna ask you to ask God, you know, God, what are you speaking to me? How do I need to respond today? Like, what is a good next step for me? Is it simply like add growth track to my calendar so that I can be a part of that? For some of you, maybe it's to say yes to the assignment that you know God has called you to, the part that you are meant to play. Some of you know it and you've been fighting it. So maybe it's to say yes to that. And we talked a lot about today, just knowing what you're uniquely called to do. But the truth is you can't fully know yourself apart from knowing God. 
the one who created you and uniquely designed you. And so I do wanna give you that opportunity today to get to know God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God or said yes to following Jesus and you want to. Maybe you have in the past, but you need a fresh start today. And you wanna make a decision to come back home, to come back to God. And if you wanna make that decision today, I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. We're gonna pray together. And so if you uh, wanna make that decision today, surrender your life to God, start a relationship with God, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna count to three and give you a minute, but I want you to raise your hand and then we'll pray together. So on the count of three, one, two, three. I see you. I see you, I see you. Amen, I see you. Awesome, let's pray together. Just pray this in your heart. We just pray, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I lived my life without you. Come live inside me. Would you change me? Would you make me brand new? I give my whole life to you. I'm choosing to follow you. Thank you for saving me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.